Hey, great day. So before we get into today's podcast episode, I have a huge announcement. We are bringing back the Abundant CEO Private Practice Bootcamp. This is a three-day virtual party that I'm inviting all mental health therapists that either want a private practice in the next six to 12 months, or you already have had a private practice, maybe for the last year, five years, or even over a decade, but you want to understand wealth and cash flow in your company. You want to learn how to show up as a CEO and work more on your business versus in your business. Maybe you want to assess the health and the wealth of your current or future private practice to really see if you're on the right path to increasing your revenue, to growing your practice, maybe to streams of income later, or maybe even a group practice. Bottom line is you will walk away from this three-day bootcamp clarifying and understanding your niche, understanding how to show up as an abundant CEO, and most importantly, assessing the health of what you believe is a profitable private practice. So head down to the show notes and go to the link drtk.com forward slash links and sign up for the bootcamp. I'll see you there. Now let's head into the podcast episode. Welcome to the Branding for Abundance podcast. My name is Dr. TK. I am a licensed clinical psychologist and success coach. My goal on this podcast is to simply teach you how to proclaim your victory in your relationships, academic and career endeavors, business, money, and your mindset. Learn some simple tools and techniques to brand your life for abundance and live your epic lifestyle. Hey, welcome back to the Branding for Abundance podcast, where therapists deserve abundance. My name is Dr. TK, licensed clinical psychologist and number one therapist business coach. So today we are doing a part two of a previous episode that I've done in the last two months, where the first episode was dedicated to mental health providers, giving them information of how to properly classify their new clients or existing clients into certain levels of care because that will determine what type of therapy you can actually do as a therapist with the client. So in this particular episode, I want to specifically gear the message to any individual or family unit who is looking for a mental health provider or a support system under the umbrella of mental health. And I want to show you how to navigate through the mental health system. So let's go ahead and jump in. So um, first, I want to introduce you what's called the three levels of care. And so this information is not usually privy to the general public, but mental health providers, we use a client's symptomology, their presentation, and the need to get particular types of care to determine where they're going to be served at. So I want to take you through the various levels of care just so that you can have a better understanding of even what type of therapist or organization you should be seeking to receive services. So the first level of care is called private practice. So currently I have a private practice. I'm recording this in my home office, but also I've had in the past before 2020 a physical location. So typically in private practice, there's only one provider, and this is known as the lowest level of care. Now, the reason why this is on the lowest level of care spectrum is because if let's just say you're my client and I go out of town for like a two week work, a week workshop or just a vacation, 
I don't have a backup. I don't have a psychiatrist. There may be people that I collaborate with in the community, but it's not a one-stop shop. And I have recognized, because at one point in my practice, I did have a group practice, is that it becomes a lot easier, especially for family units, for me to see the dad, the other therapist to see the mom, and then someone see the child. And then maybe a separate therapist sees the family unit as a family, or we all come together and have like a group family session. And so um, again, people who go to a private practice are usually able to uh, be higher functioning or moderate to higher functioning, which means that they can still have mental health symptoms, but their symptoms will not cause them to call the therapy provider overnight in an emergency, you know, a few times. And so we're really looking at how does this client's symptoms show up and can that person or family, do they only need one provider? Okay. So that's private practice. The second level is known as uh, the second level of care, which are group practices, clinics, or any organization that has multiple providers. So multiple providers would mean when I have my group practice, that if I am going to be gone for two to three weeks out of the country, I may have different types of clients. Some of my clients can actually, you know, go three weeks and I give them homework assignments and they'd be fine. Maybe they've been in treatment with me for a while, but then we have another group of clients where they may have to start it or their symptoms are a little bit more severe, which means that they need to do check-ins at minimum with another provider. So a group practice or a clinic can have multiple providers that can team up, collaborate, consult about shared cases even with family members, and then also collaborate on making an effective treatment plan. So um, multiple providers can be other therapists. It can be psychologists, whether it be for therapy or for testing. It can also be where some agencies have psychiatrists. Now, also some of these entities may have the ability for clients to call in to a 24-hour hotline if they need additional support. Not all nonprofits, organizations, clinics, or group practices have this offer, but some levels of care do. Um, Now, the upper level is hospitalization because technically what I forgot to mention is the group practice clinic and organization is technically the second and the third level. It really depends on what type of clients they see, how much attention that client needs. And if they're on the third level, um, one program that I'm very familiar with is RAP Services, which is in LA County. Students or clients and their families do have to apply for those programs, but some of my clients who've been part of RAP, um, they do have to meet uh, mental health criteria according to certain diagnoses based off their age. RAP is typically for kids. RAP is usually in the community. However, I do not know what it looks like after our new norm, but typically the kid would get a case manager to come and check in on them, get the family resources. The parents will get a parent partner, not a therapist, but an outlet, you know, to talk about how their kid is doing. And then the child would also get an individual therapist and then the family will come together for a family meeting. Now the pro is there's a lot of support. They come in and they wrap the family. The con is if you don't want your family to be exposed to different people in the same type of treatment, then that may be um, a problem, but it's a very good form of treatment, especially for children. So that would be considered level three when level two may be a clinic. 
Now, hospitalization is the fourth level of care. That's when someone is in imminent danger to hurting themselves or someone else, and they have to stay in the hospital for a certain amount of time. So now that I've explained the three to four levels of care, now I want to introduce to you how to navigate through the system based on which level of care you may want to go to first. So most people go to the first or second level, which is you may go to a private practice or a private office, private practice. Other clients may call their insurance. Let's just say if you have Kaiser in California, Kaiser may see you in Kaiser. Now, Kaiser technically has a hospital. They have psychiatrists. They have different levels of therapists. They can collaborate, but all insurances have stipulations and potentially restrictions on even what type of therapy you can have. So what I want to do and take a snapshot of this um, screen if you need to, but I want to give you certain questions that you want to ask the insurance company if you're choosing to not pay out of pocket. So you want to know if your insurance has a deductible. Do you have a copay for mental health because it is a specialty? How many sessions are covered based on who's going to therapy? Meaning is it individual therapy? Is it group therapy? Is it family therapy? Also, based on the provider that they link you with, when is the first available appointment? Now, to be quite frank, at the time of this recording, it's in the summer of 2021. There is still an all-time high of referrals for mental health, which means that the availability of certain providers based on their specialty, based on their ethnicity, because some cultures are more open to therapy now, and there are not a lot of providers to serve those populations, that means that the wait time may be a little bit longer than anticipated. But that does not mean that you stop trying as the client or the caregiver or parent of a child. What I'm asking you to do is contact multiple providers odds are you're probably going to get a voicemail because especially in a private practice, we don't have a receptionist. And so we usually have our clients leave a voicemail or I'm going to navigate on the internet in a moment to show you how to look for resources online, but you can also send providers emails with, you know, small information. Okay. So you also want to know from your insurance provider, uh, what types of therapy are authorized. I've worked with some panels where only individual therapy is authorized, but not family, not group, nothing else. So if that client's presenting problem involved another family member, unfortunately, the other family member cannot come to the session, okay? So another area you wanna think about is in terms of the provider's questions. So you want to get to know, do they have a specialty, especially if you have a presenting problem that needs specific attention. So for example, problems that are usually uh, more common are, generalized anxiety, depression, even trauma, but even with trauma comes a specialty with children or adults. So you want to look at your presenting problems and then find a therapist that can actually help you with your presenting problem or your symptoms. You also want to ask the provider, not just when's the first time they're available, but also to make sure that they're available at the same consistent interval of time or the day of the week for the entire month. And then of course, if they need to be off or you need to be off, then you guys can arrange that. But the reason I bring that up is because I've had previous clients, let's just say I had a nurse and their schedule changed every quarter. So I'm seeing the nurse and then all of a sudden when their schedule changes, they say, oh, I can't see you anymore on this day at this time. What other day can I have available? Well, at that time I was actually full 
So I have no alternative and the person can't take off work. So what's, what, you know, where are we left at? So you definitely want to talk about availability at least for the next three to six months. One big thing that is missed right now is that you do want to ask the provider, where do they provide services? Do they provide therapy via telehealth or in the office or both? Meaning, do you guys decide what will be the best location based off presenting problems? Now, again, this is more education for the general public. Most therapists, I'm not going to say most, but a lot of therapists across the country have chosen to close their physical location, just like myself, specifically because the way the room is set up for therapy, I always give the example to my clients. I have a cloth couch. There's no way if I'm seeing six clients back to back with maybe a break in between, there's no way I can sanitize my office, clean a cloth couch. And it may sound like a joke, but this is serious. We're in a time where people want to feel safe beyond just being in a room with their uh, therapist. Also, it's very difficult to communicate with a mask on, especially if you have a low voice, if, if you know your therapy is causing you to be vulnerable or even a child in therapy. And so these are things that you want to consider based on where you want to be seen and also the age of the client. Now, typically with children, the younger the children, the more play therapy occurs in the room. So you, again, if you know that your child is younger, telehealth may not be the best fit. You may need to go into the office, which means you have to find a provider who has office space available. And then you also want to ask the provider, um, do they provide, if you're getting your child seen, do they provide collateral sessions or sessions with the parents or even just a mini check-in at the end of the kid's session, you know, from time to time so that you can get to know how your kid or child is doing in therapy. Now, I am going to show you how to do an online search because whether you go through your insurance company or you go straight through Google, I want to show you a shortcut way of how to navigate through the online system because it is like a needle in, you know, in a haystack. Okay. Um, so I am going to show you how to navigate it. I'm going to switch over my screen. Okay. So this is one online directory. Now, please keep in mind that every provider is not listed here. We actually have to pay to get listed here. But what I want to show you is how to find a therapist in your area. So what I'm going to do is just put in the office. Um, you, you put in your zip code. So when you put in your zip code, you know, I'm just going to choose Cerritos because that's where my office was and that's where I keep my mail, but I'm not physically there. And I'm sharing that because you may think that a therapist has a physical location, but they chose to shut it down and do 100% of online therapy. So what I want you to really pay attention to is at the top, what type of treatment can you narrow it down um, to? So think about it like shopping for a therapist. And even if your insurance company gives you names, a quick tip is before you just start calling people and you don't know anything about them outside of your insurance company saying that they're in network, you may want to Google their name and see what website comes up. If their own website comes up, of course, view their website. If Psychology Today comes up, view the Psychology Today because it's a mini version of their website. So let's just say I scroll down and, you know, I like Sarah, right? So as you can see at the top, I can narrow it down by issues presented. So let's just say if I want to find therapy for my child, it's going to narrow down the results. Then if I only want, let's just say psychiatrists, treatment centers, support groups, 
telehealth. Those are other options at the top. But let's just say you want to use your insurance. So I'm going to choose Blue Cross Blue Shield. That's really popular in Southern California. Then it's going to narrow it down. But as you can see, the first therapist that was there disappeared. Okay. So then let's just say if you're really specific and you say, you know what? I want my child to uh, see a woman. Now, remember, the more you narrow it down, the, the, the smaller the list will get. And sometimes that's good. Sometimes it's not based on the presenting problems that you want to identify, okay? Types of therapy. I'm not expecting that the general public will know this, but some people may want play therapy, Christian counseling, um, mindfulness, uh, cognitive behavioral therapy, but I won't click that one. But what's really important is that you choose the age of the client. So we're going to choose for the sake of this video, six to 10. I would not choose price because you want to read all the information. So now our list has been narrowed down, okay? And you can widen the search up here by increasing the miles. Now, again, a little tip that I want to give you is that if you don't mind seeing a provider telehealth, you can actually see any provider in the entire state. As long as the therapist is licensed in your state, you can see them. So if you're in Southern California, you can see a therapist in San Francisco. It doesn't matter, okay? So let's just say we click on this person's profile. As you can see, it gives us a snippet of her profile, but we wanna check the whole thing. It tells you what her license is, and so she's actually a student. And the way you would find that out is by scrolling down. She does have a master's degree, but that means that she's under the supervision of someone because she's waiting to sit for the licensing exam. So I do want to destigmatize people also not wanting to see therapists that are interns, okay? Not all insurance companies allow interns to see clients, but when they do, you may be able to see them and some of them have very good specialties. Keep in mind that when people are interns, they collect 3,000 hours, which means that we are very equipped to provide people with therapy, okay? So you can read a little bit about this person here. It says she's a registered associate, which is an intern, but we use the word associate now. It tells you where the location of the office is. It tells you that she offers online therapy, which means that unless she hasn't updated her profile, which means that you need to call her, it looks like she may offer it in both online and in the office. Um, therapists on these platforms are encouraged to upload videos, any type of publications, photos of their office, anything. Another tip is to look to see if they provide you with a free consultation. Now, if we go over to the right, you want to look at all of the issues, not just the one that you think is the presenting problem. Time and time again, I've had clients that tell me they want to work on anger management, but what's underlining their anger is trauma life transitions, processing parents or their own divorce if they're an adult. So see if any of these presenting problems resonate with something that you or your child need to work through because that's what therapy can do is help you work through all of it, not just one thing you think you're done and then you open up again and have to start over, okay? So um, another thing you wanna look at is the age groups that that person um, works with, any types of special communities that maybe they cater to. And then here you will see how to schedule an appointment. So you'll see that you can actually schedule a free consultation. Another tip is try to schedule a free 15 minute or up to 15 minute consultation to get a feel of the provider. You do not feel have to feel locked in after you have the consultation 
to sign up with that provider. If you want to have three consultations to see how they all three do therapy before you open up your personal Pandora's box or your child's box, I would highly encourage you to do that because a, a consultation is very different than an intake. Okay. An intake is asking you all the detailed questions. Finances, it tells you how much they charge per session. Now, please note the range is present because at times, if someone provides individual versus family therapy, because it's more people, the rate may change and so potentially may the time of the session, like the length of the session. So this person is telling you there's a scale. They tell you how you can pay if you're paying out of pocket. And what's most important for you if you're seeking to see a therapist within your network is to make sure that they are credentialed. Please note, not all providers are on insurance panels. We have to apply similar to how we're applying to college, which means the college list has to be open in our area and they have to be willing to accept us on the panel. So that is a myth that I like to let people know that is not true because most people see us, of course, in the medical profession under the mental health umbrella, but it doesn't mean that we accept all insurances. Also, if you have a PPO and you don't want to pay your deductible, you should see a provider in your network. Now, I know that with a PPO, you're allowed to see therapists out of network. So if you have Blue Shield, Blue Cross, and I don't accept Blue Shield, Blue Cross, still as a PPO, yes, you're able to see me, but your insurance may say, before we pay you as a reimbursement, because you have to now pay the provider the regular rates, you have to meet the requirements of your deductible. So let's just say if your deductible is $5,000, you haven't went to the doctor, you haven't gotten anything done. That means that I'm gonna give you what's called a super bill, a fancy word for a therapy invoice. You're going to mail in the invoice to your insurance. They're going to start giving you credit toward the amount that I billed, but you're going to have to pay me out of pocket. So that is the other myth about PPOs is that some people think, oh, they can just send an invoice to my insurance to get paid. Majority of providers will tell you with a PPO, if they're not in network, you need to pay them the regular rates. They will give you the paperwork and then you have to take that up with your insurance company, okay? So I really hope that this has been helpful, that has shed some light on the mental health system, helping you navigate through the system. I really hope that you liked this video, this podcast episode. Let me know your biggest takeaways, and I look forward to seeing you in the next podcast episode. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast episode today. I am super excited to see your growth in your business, career, money, and relationships. Be sure to check me out on Instagram at Dr. TK Psych, where you can find daily inspiration and tips to live your abundant lifestyle. 